Hi, this is Mike Warner from Work Hard, Playlist Hard. You're listening to Your Morning Coffee, the podcast with my friends Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Weekly music news for the new music business. Spotify Wrapped is here. The top songs, artists, podcasts, and listening trends of 2023 revealed. From Billboard, will AI be used to raise musicians? From the dead? And from Hypebot, historic mechanical royalty increases, inflation adjustment, all explained by our friend Chris Castle. Oh yeah, thank goodness, because it is somewhat confusing to be honest. <laughs> but we are here, it's episode 173. Jay and I are both glad you're here, and we are going to start the show right about now. Stand by for transmission. This is London calling. Wake up! The revolution is at hand! Your morning coffee is on the air. Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news for the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated, and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. And now, from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. All right, Jay, a few ghosts in the machine this morning. Yeah, it happens. That's okay. The show must go on. The show must go on. As we talked about, we have kind of start, you know, it, it is when you st- when you do a podcast, there, there are some just kind of mechanical things you have to deal with to figure out how you're going to do it. And we've got it down pat, but every now and again, certain things happen and like, it'll be funny things with the, yeah with the zoom or with your computer or with microphones, but we are yeah. dialed. We are ready to go. We, we are dialed and, and, Thank, uh, thank Mike Warner for that uh, intro. Um, I don't know if you've seen his newsletter. It's called Music Tips and News for Artists. And uh, Mike is a friend. Um, I, I dig what he does um, outside of his job at Believe. Um, you know, he's an advocate for, for artists. And I really like his newsletter. And uh, I spoke to him this week about it because there were a couple of really fun things in it. So um, let's listen to uh, my conversation with Mike Warner. Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm good, Jay. It's a pleasure to be back here once again. <laughs> Always good to see you, my friend. So um, I loved your newsletter this week, Music Tips and News for Artists. For those who uh, haven't subscribed, um, I, you, I get mine on LinkedIn. Um, there were three topics in there that were really cool um, and I, I think uh, a lot of fun, too. The first one, this AI bot um, that was created by the team over at The Pudding, uh, 
and uh, as you state in the newsletter, it sort of roasts your your uh, your musical taste. So I ha- I hooked it up to one of my DSPs, and it I'll read you part of what it said. It said, <laughs> analyzing your listening history, and then it says LOL, and then OMG, and then it goes, okay, hold up. Do you really listen to Ritual by Ghost? And then when you click yes, it says, ironically? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how you found that uh, that thing from uh, the pudding, and did you did you hook it up to your music yet? Yeah, so I'll be honest, I haven't hooked it up this year yet because I'm still recovering from previous years. <laughs> um, for me, I'm guilty of having multiple accounts on each DSP. Yeah, part partially for my day job, partially because I listen to all kinds of music, and so they went really hard on me. <laughs> they were like, I, I don't remember exactly word for word, but it was like, you mean to tell me that you're listening to country music and lullabies and hip hop all before 8am? Get out of here. Like, <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's like, hey, I do what I have to do. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's the fun part, you know, with my job too, is that I'm listening to all sorts of different types of music. And I just love the you know, the snarkiness of that. The other one, which I thought was a lot of fun, and I remember doing this last year, is that InstaFest uh, app. Tell us a, a little bit about that. Yeah, InstaFest is a really cool app that launched in 2022, just a few weeks before Spotify launched Wrapped. So everyone was eagerly waiting and all of a sudden people started posting all of these fun festival lineups with their own name uh, as part of the festival. And I looked into it and yeah, there's this app called InstaFest where it looks at your listening history and it creates a festival lineup for you, like your dream festival. And it's pretty spot on. I must say, like I looked at it and I'm like, (laughs) that is me. I don't know if anyone else would buy a ticket, but I would buy, I would buy at least two tickets to that one. Yeah. (laughs) So good. And one of the things in the newsletter this week that, that I thought was really great. And it's something that you do in the work hard playlist hard too, is you sort of go beyond the Spotify, Apple music thing. People get a little bit Spotify drunk and they forget that there are a lot of other digital service providers out there. And I noticed this year, yes, you talk about Spotify Wrapped and Apple Music Replay, but there are other DSPs that do these sort of recaps. And in your newsletter, you talk about some of them that maybe did it last year, but haven't done it this year yet. And, you know, it's still a little early. Um, Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, as it's gained in popularity every year, And we've started to realize that not everyone uses one DSP or one app to listen to music. It's become important for everyone else to sort of jump on board. Um, And so while Spotify and Apple were the only ones that were live when I posted that article in, in my newsletter, I wanted to include the others that have existed in previous years because as we know, anything could get announced at any time. So Tidal, YouTube, and Kami, like there's been a number of platforms around the world that are Deezer as well that sure. have put these wrapped or year in review or similar campaigns out um, so that people that listen on those apps are able to get some fun stats and data based on what they've been listening to. And 
one thing I, you know, with Apple that I mentioned as well is that they actually have a weekly review of what you've listened to the most that week. So you can actually go back throughout the year and see what you listen to, um, which is really fun because sometimes, you know, we listen to different music one week compared to the other. And it's it's a good way to reflect on, you know, why was I listening to that on Monday this week on repeat? <laughs> What was happening that day? Exactly. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Music's really helping us through a lot of different things that could be happening. Yeah. Exactly. So, tell our listeners where can where can people find your your newsletter? Yeah, I'm going to use the the one easy link. Um, so, I recently changed my website to be a smart link as soon as you open it. Uh, with links to everything I've created and continue to create. So askmikewarner.com is where you can find everything now. Awesome. Um, and yeah, the newsletter that you mentioned, I have it on Medium and I have it on LinkedIn. And I also email it to anyone that wants to opt in to get it sent to their email. And yeah, I just try to put it out in as many places as possible to make it accessible for everyone where they are. I, I don't want to stick with one platform because that would go against what I say. Exactly. Well, I highly recommend it. It was a lot of fun uh, this week. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Mike. Good to see you. Thanks so much, Jay. Lovely of him to check in, isn't it? And yeah. for you to check in with him. Um, it's Again, we, we it's so fun to... to to kind of drop in and just, it's not a full-blown interview, but it's nice to kind of hear some little tidbits and some information. And yeah, he's a good dude. He is. And I don't know if you've tried some of these things, but the first thing he was talking about, that uh, AI bot that was created uh, by the team over at The Pudding is absolutely hilarious. It, it you know, just try it. It's really good. And then that that InstaFest app, you know, that creates sort of that festival poster of mm -hmm. your favorite artists for you. It, it's it's really cool. So uh, that that newsletter was a lot of fun this week. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you had a busy week, my friend. You were out and about colleges and. Ch chatting with different people. It's, it's a yeah. busy J week. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I did a couple of guest lectures um, at USC uh, with uh, Bobby Borg and his music business classes. Super smart kids, great questions. You know, I, I went through this deck, this 80-page deck that I have called the Your Morning Coffee Roadshow. And it's really more for artist managers and, you know, uh, some of our clients. But it's it's a pretty comprehensive look at the music industry today and it's on version 28 because it's changed while we've been having <laughs> yes. this conversation as we like Absolutely. to say right and so every couple of weeks it's updated and uh and changed yeah and that's uh, but it's also fun isn't it as you've mentioned uh when you go out and just talk to students talking to young people that are kind of in, interested in the business learning about the business and yeah. You know, when you, when you're in front of students, it it a lot of people that scares the dickens out of. But I, you and I have both done this, and we yeah. really like doing it. Oh, but I really don't. Yeah, I really enjoy doing it. For some reason, it it doesn't freak me out at all. Um, I did a, a guest lecture this morning uh, over Zoom with uh, Cal State Northridge with Dave Bakula and Stacy and the great people over there, and I think I learned more from the students than they learned from me. Um, they're coming at the business. At a, from a totally different way, you know, than, yes. you know, when you and I were young, you would form a band, you would write and record, and hopefully you'd get popular in your city and then maybe in your region. And 
the the goal was to get signed by a label. That was the mm-hmm. goal. That's not really the goal today. In fact, most labels are really not looking for that TikTok star. They're looking for longevity. They're looking for someone who's already got a social footprint, a s- streaming trends, you know, that is selling merch and is playing live shows. Uh, I was talking to an A&R person not that long ago, and I asked them, you know, if I could send them this, you know, music. And he asked me what who the band was, and I told him, and he goes, we're aware of them. We know. And that's the thing is with all this data that they have, they can sort of watch if an artist is getting played on college radio, for example, or if they're getting an opening slot with a a larger audience or if they're starting to play bigger cap rooms. With data, they can see that stuff, but they're making less and less decisions on that short-term focused, you know, viral moment they're really kind of going back to looking for that lineup around the the block to see uh play yeah absolutely but uh but i know when you do uh backing up to again uh, seeing students you know this is you you forget because every kid you talk to who's a college age now they've they've grown up in the streaming era they didn't carry milk crates with that well i mean they might have they might have an album collection, but most aren't carrying milk crates when they move into their dorm with their albums. That was their library. Their library is in their back pocket. That's right. On their phone. And they have, there is no gating factor. They can listen to anything they want. And that completely changes the dynamic when you're talking to them because that's, yeah. we understand it now, but that was not our upbringing. And no, no, not at all. We started like, no, not at all. No. And so, uh, yeah, it's we, fascinating. We, to we see came from an era of ownership versus access mm-hmm. and it's, it's, well, they don't have the attention span for music, maybe like, uh, it was back in the day. Um, it's less about the album and more about the track. And they also, and this is something we've talked about a little bit, which I think is really interesting, is young people today want to have a little bit more ownership. They want to have, and, and what I mean by that is of the process. Like they want mm-hmm. to speed something up, slow it down, reverb it. They want to create their own, you know, lyric videos or whatever. They want to be involved uh, a lot more than maybe they were back in the day. Yeah. Well, like you said, you know, when you when you meet with young people, you you learn as much as you're giving them back in information. So it's definitely fun. Yeah, <laughs> it is yeah. Definitely it's, fun. it's a joy for me. And there, I work with about six different uh, college music business programs. And it's it's the highlight of uh, of my uh, career right now. I really enjoy doing it um, to switch gears a little bit. Um, there's a new documentary out. Um, and I finally got to watch it all the way through. It's about that company hypnosis. And I know what people think when they think of hypnosis, they think of Merc Mercuriatus and, and the song fund. And mm-hmm. they actually sort of borrowed the name from another company, right? Yes, they did. That's exactly right. And that's a, a graphic design company that designed so many of the classic albums that you and I certainly grew up with. Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Oh, yeah. Based out of the UK, they had a couple of very quirky, interesting chaps that ran hypnosis. And uh, they were famous, certainly one of them, who just passed away earlier this year, actually, uh, for being maybe 
not having the best bedside manner, but being mm. incredibly creative. But when you look and find out how they designed so many of these classic albums that you and I all know, it's fascinating. It and really kind is. Kind of you know at at an era where in an era where the money was not the gating factor. It was all about creativity. Yeah, it and was. It was a, so, a different era. Um, they have a. Um, um, a star on there talking about how that was a different, a different industry, a different era. Uh, the documentary, by the way, is called Squaring the Circle, the story of yeah. hypnosis. And in those two people you were talking about, Storm Thorgerson and Aubrey uh, Poe Powell. Um, yeah, the design company. And it, in, in addition to the ones you mentioned, you know, like Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin, it was like Paul McCartney, Peter Gabriel, mm -hmm. 10CC, just some of these iconic uh, album covers, but uh, really fun, really fun uh, documentary. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely worth watching. I'm still, I just, I almost am finished with the Donna Summer documentary, which was oh, also fascinating. I don't think we've yeah. talked about that one, have we? No, it's it's really interesting. A lot of home video footage. It's 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 done much in the same way. If you saw the Amy Winehouse documentary, yeah, where they yeah. had a lot of a lot of you know basically family footage and things like that. The Donna Summer documentary is similar, and it's really interesting to kind of hear how she started and and her background and and you know kind of her her perspective of uh i'm i'm actually i'm in a role this is not me i am not this sex goddess that but I, that's a role that i'm playing because she came from theater right and uh interesting perspective and talking about really what she was really like in her private life and just a great documentary worth watching. do they cover any of the casablanca um oh yes yeah there's a lot of neil bogart stuff in there talking yeah yeah Interesting, because I saw and, the documentary and, on on Casablanca. Well, actually, it wasn't a documentary; it was more of a um, dramatic uh, movie about it. Yeah. But uh, really, again, different times back then, you know. Different times, without a doubt, <laughs> without a doubt. But again, we we love the documentaries, and uh, we do need to still get together, Jay, and put that that either a Google Doc or something mm -hmm. with all of the docs that we've seen and watched, and share it with our listeners. Yeah, and maybe even ask the listeners to uh, contribute because um, we're contribute, always yes. we're always looking for stuff. Before we jump into uh, the stories, I, we do want to thank our sponsors, but. Also, um, we dropped that Will Page special episode this last week. We certainly did. And, you know, our top three podcasts of 2023 uh, was the last Will Page uh, interview that we did was number one. Number two was Ari Herstan. Thank you, Ari. And then number three was Martin Clancy when he came on to talk mm -hmm. about his book. AI. Yeah, his book about AI. So uh, that Will Page episode is live. If you haven't heard it, it's there in your feed. And it's also transcribed and is an article on uh, HypeBot. So um, we're getting a lot of feedback uh, from that. But uh, whenever we talk to Will Page, we learn things. We, we do it with a smile on our face because <laughs> he is a fun, fun conversationalist. Yeah, and for sure. We learn so much. Uh, speaking of sponsors, Jay, we do want to reach out and thank all of our sponsors because we are so lucky and they help us put the show together, including uh, Bandzoogle, built by musicians for musicians. Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in. 
How about hosting in a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and a fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Your Morning Coffee uh, podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com and try it free for 30 days. Just use the promo code MORNINGCOFFEE, all one word, to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. That is bandzoogle.com. Yeah, Your Morning Coffee podcast is also brought to you by our friends at HypeBot. Since 2004, HypeBot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It's edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Alana Bonilla. HypeBot and sister blog Music Think Tank are published by live music discovery and marketing platform Bands in Town. You betcha. Bands in Town, over 80 million live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It's the number one artist service platform connecting over 590,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. Ah, uh, yes. And also the Music Business Association, uh, Portia and her team over there, they host an annual slate of in-person and virtual events so industry professionals like you across the globe can come together to discuss hot button issues and support the growth of the entire music business community so join us uh, for that conference uh, the music biz conference 2024 uh, that's in nashville may 13th through the 16th at the jw marriott i'll see you there Indeed. So big thanks to Bandzoogle, Hypebot, Bands in Town, the Music Business Association, and big thanks to the guy I get to do this show with every week. He is Jay Gilbert. He's a music industry consultant. He's a curator of the weekly Your Morning Coffee newsletter and a former executive with Universal Music, Sony Music, and Warner Music Groups, and a digital music diviner. <laughs> I don't even know sticks. what that means. Um, yes, they got and, the sticks that finds water. Okay, there you go. This guy <laughs> sitting across from me, one of my dear friends, Mike Etchart, longtime host of Sound and Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records. You got to read that book. Warner Music, Capital EMI, and Universal Music Group, where we first started hanging out and talking about bootlegs and having cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> and that was in the last century, Jay, yeah, believe exactly. it or not. Uh, exactly. All right, well, let's jump into the stories. Our first one, Spotify Wrapped is here. The top songs, artists, podcasts, and listening trends of 2023 revealed. And there's a lot of stuff on here, Jay. It's fascinating. Yeah. A lot of, and again, again, it's this is the a global view, and it really puts it in perspective of how narrow we are here because there's a lot of stuff on here I just wasn't familiar with and I love learning about new artists around the world it's fascinating yeah I love Spotify wrapped they were sort of the first to do a year-end rap like this and now everybody's sort of doing it you know Apple Music has replay and they haven't launched this year but in in the past, there were sort of year-end, uh, you know, replays or wrapped versions from Angami, Deezer, Geo7, Last FM, Pandora, Tidal, YouTube Music, and uh, even Bands in Town. So there's more and more of this, which is good for us because we get to uh, benefit from all of these different kind of year-end wraps. And I'll set this up by saying that I use a lot of different DSPs uh, for my job, mm -hmm. and so it's not super accurate necessarily for me um, because I'm looking at clients 
um, repertoire and I'm listening to all sorts of everything from classical jazz, metal, EDM, country. And so it does sort of skew things a little bit for me. Um, but it sure is a lot of fun to look at. And remember, um, wrapped is really in three different flavors for you, the listener, for you, the music mm -hmm. fan, you get your wrapped and that is fantastic, you know, to kind of show you where you spent your time. And uh, you may be like, I was in the top 4% of a couple of artists as, you know, I listened to them more than most. And I thought that was cool. And I even got a special video that they had sent me, which was really cool. The second one is for artists. So I can look at Spotify for artists and look at my clients and kind of get a sense of, you know, how the year went for them. And then the last one, which I thought was pretty cool is Spotify wrapped for podcasts. And, and that was, that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. And I've learned about a couple of podcasts that I need to, uh, to check out, but also it took a look at your morning coffee, the podcast and gave us some insights on that. And the thing that jumped out at me is 73% of our, um, our listeners have just joined in the last year. Like we're, we're on this kind of growth spurt, which is really uh -huh. cool. And it's sort of fun seeing that hockey stick, that kind of spike as people share. And as you say, at the end of a lot of these episodes, just tell one friend, that's all we yeah. ask. Yes. One can well, we week. certainly appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. It's 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 fascinating. But let's let's jump into this, Jay. The top global artists of 2023. And this one, boy, this one really jumped out. No surprise, number one is Taylor Swift. But what did surprise me, 26.1 billion global streams since January. That's hard 1st. to wrap my head around. It really is. So if you want to look at the top 10 artists globally, Taylor Swift, as I said, is number one. Number two is Bad Bunny. Number three is The Weeknd. Number four is Drake. Number five is Peso Plumo. Pluma, I should say. Number six is Fide. Number seven is Travis Scott. Number eight is SZA. And number nine, Carol G. And topping the top ten is Lana Del Rey, which I was kind of surprised at Lana I was Del surprised Rey at the... that, too. Um, yeah. And also just all of these great Latin artists that are now in the top mm -hmm. ten. Um, really, really interesting to look at that uh, that list. The next one was uh, Global Songs, which, you know, some of these are, are pretty obvious, but then there were a few surprises in there. The number one song globally on Spotify was Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Number two was Kill Bill by SZA. Number three was As It Was by Harry Styles. Number four was Seven, and that was uh, featuring Lotto uh, by Jungkook. Um, Ella Bela Sola um, by... Um, Esleban, Armado, and uh, Peso Pluma. Pardon my, uh, <laughs> I don't have my glasses on. Um, <laughs> Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift was number six. Number seven was uh, Creepin' by Metro Boomin. Um, number eight, Calm Down um, by Rima and Selena Gomez. Number nine, uh, Shakira. Um, that was uh, BZRP Music Sessions, volume 53. Um, that was a new one to me. Sorry. And then number 10, Antihero by Taylor Swift. So those were the top 10 songs globally. And it's like you said, it's very diverse. It really is. Uh, jumping over to top 10 albums globally, Un Verano Sinti by Bad Bunny, Midnight's by Taylor Swift, S.O.S. by SZA, Starboy by The Weeknd, Manana Sara Bonito by Carol G., 
One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. That one surprised me to have that uh, number six top album globally. Uh, number seven is Lover by Taylor Swift. Number eight, Heroes and Villains by Metro Boomin. Number nine, Genesis by Peso Pluma. And again, number 10, Harry's House by Harry Styles. So yeah. uh, again, a really interesting mix of stuff in there. And yeah. a, a couple that I wasn't familiar with. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting looking at these uh, charts. Um, now, there's been a lot of talk about podcasts and the growth of podcasts. And I, I, I don't remember seeing the top podcasts in previous Wrapped, although maybe they were there and I just didn't see it. Um, but the top podcasts, and I'm just going to go to the top 10 because they list 25. Um, and mm-hmm. I can't wait because there's some on here I've, I've never heard of before. And not all of them are in English. Um, but the top 10 uh, podcasts globally, number one, Joe Rogan Experience. Number two, mm-hmm. Call Her Daddy. Uh, number three, Huberman Lab. Number four, Anything Goes with Emma Chamberlain. Number five, On Purpose with uh, Jay I'm sorry. Yeah. Jay Shetty. Uh, Number six, Crime Junkie. Um, I've been hearing a lot about that one. Number seven, Mm -hmm. This Past Weekend with uh, Theo Van. Number eight, Serial Killers. There's a uh, kind of a theme here. Number nine, The Diary of a CEO uh, with Stephen Bartlett. And then number 10, uh, TED Talks Daily. Um, One uh, that I don't see on here, which is one of my favorite podcasts, is uh, Bubble Trouble, um, which I don't miss an episode of. But uh, I am printed out this list, and I'm going to check out some new podcasts. Well, you know, and this is like, it's like all of the documentaries. I mean, there's just not enough hours in the day to get to all the podcasts you want to get to. And you are much more efficient at your podcast listening than I am. But I, I you know, I'll start one or two, and I just, I, I don't come back to them. I, I need to get a little more focused on Well, podcasts. you don't have a long commute, and I think people who have a long commute, yes. um, my friends that have a long commute, they listen to audiobooks, they listen to, you know, podcasts, and it's sort of a routine. Um, and for me, I take a, a super long walk um, every morning when I wake up. And that's when I listen to, you know, these podcasts. So it's, it's difficult if you don't have that commute time. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk about some of the global trends that shaped our year. And this is really interesting as well. I'm going to jump around a little bit on this. Sure. It's one of the things is uh, Gen Z continues to embrace the genreless genre hybrid trend, refusing to be defined by only one genre and instead moving seamlessly between sounds. They also embrace moods, looking for playlists and songs that best describe the mood or moment they're in. And I would add to that, and also, again, jumping around with with, with language mu- music in languages they don't necessarily speak. And yeah. so it's interesting to see these kind of the, the, the dynamic with, with a Gen Z listener and how that is unique. Yeah, that's, like you said, that's one of the global trends that they, they talk about. They talk about, you know, um, just the diversity of, you know, Indian classical instrumental music growing and, you know, Mexican music growing in Colombia and, you know, mm-hmm. a lot. Afrobeats growing. Um, and one that I, I hadn't really heard talked about a lot is uh, Mando Pop, you know, artists like uh, Jay Chow, JJ Lin, uh, Eason Chan has received more than 500 million monthly streams globally, and that's a 45% increase over the previous year. So lots to learn from these uh, wrapped reports. Well, it is a, it is a, it just, 
points out that it's a worldwide business, which it always has been a worldwide business in terms of music. But, you know, again, we have it's so much easier now to reach across borders and to 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 discover new stuff in different different yeah. countries, different languages. And that really, to me, is one of the biggest uh, things about streaming that is so different from the business previous. Yeah. I agree. I think that's that's a really good point. Now, for the rest of this report, we're not going to read the entire thing to you, but we'll give you some highlights. They break it down by month. And starting in February, of course, you know, that's the second most um, um, music consumed holiday is Valentine's Day. And they talk about, um, you know, like with the Super Bowl, how Rihanna's music spiked 640 percent across uh, Spotify and some of the songs, you know, Bitch Better Have My Money up 2,600%, Diamonds up 1,400%, and so on. You sort of know that there's certain things that really drive consumption. You know, CBS Sunday Morning, uh, NPR's Tiny Desk, and certainly they call it the big game because I don't think you're allowed to call it the Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, that was something that <laughs> really, yeah, it really spiked. And then the other thing in February was uh, breakup songs. <laughs> and they said that uh, this year, two, uh, Spotify listeners created over 200,000 breakup playlists, was, which they streamed the most on Valentine's Day. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> it is kind of sad. But, uh, uh, and of course, top of that list is uh, We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together by Taylor Swift, <laughs> one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs. <laughs> of course it is. And then, you know, the next month in March, you know, following the season four premiere of HBO's Succession, U.S. streams of Succession, that's that title song, the theme song, um, by Nicholas Bratel, it spiked over 350% on Spotify. I just, I love these little, these little tidbits, but you know, they, they talk about how in these playlists, there are top songs that are added to user generated, you know, character playlists, you know, like from the show. It's, it's really interesting how, the themes of playlists are going beyond mood and genre, and now they're lifestyle and it's part of pop culture. It's really cool. Well, and, and speaking of that, uh, the, the one for May says, uh, as the pickleball craze picked up around the world, daily searches for pickleball-related playlists <laughs> increased 1,600% in May alone. What, so, what yeah. would be pickleball music in your mind? I have no idea. I don't That's either. Exactly... I should ask my my parents. They, they love their pickleball um, I need to find out, like, what music makes pickleball better? Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, so much great stuff in here. And, uh, again, we, we, as we say every time when one of these big lists come out, not only is the information great, but the presentation is fantastic. It's beautiful uh, design work from from Spotify and putting it all together. Yeah. And it's a, it's a lot of hard work, and it's a fascinating read. So definitely yeah. check it out. Yeah, absolutely. A really great piece uh, from our friends over at Spotify. All right, Jay, how about the number two story we're going to talk about today from Billboard? Will AI be used to raise musicians Ooh, from the dead? Yeah. There's yeah. been a lot of talk uh, about this. First of all, this is another great piece um, by our friend Elias Late. Uh, thank you, Elias. Um, I sent him a nice congratulatory note last week because in the last few weeks, there's been like five or six really great articles and we've covered most of them or at least talked amongst ourselves about it. And he's doing some really interesting stuff. And, and this is a hot topic because as AI becomes so ubiquitous and, and people are using it to, 
create music based on the body of someone's work. And uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the first one here is the Beatles. Yeah, as it says earlier this month, 760 stations owned by iHeartMedia simultaneously threw their weight behind a new single, The Beatles Now and Then. And as they say, as, as Elias goes to say, this was surprising because the group broke up in 1970 and two of the members are dead. Now and Then began decades ago, as you probably know, as a home recording by John Lennon. More recently, the AI-powered audio technology allowed for the separation of the demo's audio components, which is really just voice and piano, but just separating those enabled the living Beatles to construct a whole track around them and roll it out to great fanfare. Yeah. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, it says, you know, for three days, if you were a follower of popular culture, all you heard about was the Beatles, says Aaron Sachs, who represents several estates including Otis Redding and Bill Withers. And he says, and that's great for business of the estate of John Lennon, the estate of George Harrison, and the current status of the two living legends. That's uh, Paul and Ringo. Yeah. But, you know, as we were saying, Jay, when we talk about artificial intelligence, it is so broad, it's really hard to kind of wrap your arms around it and and make a, 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 a giant, you know, statement about, yes, good, bad, or what, because there's so many ways of doing it. And it says, for many people, 2023 has been the year that artificial intelligence technology left the realm of science fiction and crashed rudely into daily life. And while AI-powered tools have the potential to impact wide swaths of the music industry, there are especially intriguing for those who manage estates or catalogs of dead artists. Yeah, and, and, and the, the AI that we're sort of talking about or focusing on, this generative AI, when you use this technology to draw from, you know, a, a body of work in music and create new works, and I've heard some amazing things. It's getting better and better. I mean, we talk about, you know, not just the Beatles. This was sort of assisting them to finish a song, but the technology exists to actually create new works based on somebody's body of work. So Elias points out that no one's around to make new music. Um, So as AI models get better, they have the capacity to knit old materials together into something that can credibly pass as new, right? The the reproduction of a star's voice, for example, um, as AI develops, it may impact the value of an estate depending on what the assets are already in the estate and can be worked with, says Natalie uh, Nataskin, chief content officer for Primary Wave. She estimates that her and her team probably spend around 25% of their time every week uh, mulling AI, time she says they used to spend, used to spend <laughs> contemplating possibilities for NFTs. <laughs> That's right. So Aaron Sachs goes on to say, uh, and a crucial part of an estates manager's job, he notes, is looking for opportunities to earn revenue, especially with my clients who aren't here. He adds, you're trying to figure out how do you keep it going forward? And that really is a very delicate thing to do when you're working with estates. Yeah. And they talked to Jeff Jampol um, and, and Jeff Jampol, He's sort of the pioneer here in managing estates, you know, like the Doors and Ramones and Janis Joplin. And, and he said that you have this legacy that's it's very valuable. And once you start screwing with it, you open yourself up to causing some real damage. You know, every time you're going to do something, 
you have to be really protective. It's hard to be on the bleeding edge. And that's something that you and I talk about offline quite a bit is how AI can really do some amazing things, especially in music. And, you know, we're going to have this interview with Bobby Osinski that's coming up, and we're going to talk about his book, A Musician's Handbook for AI, and all of that. And we'll get deeper into it. But it's almost like magic or voodoo or witchcraft, how it can do things like mastering and help you in the studio and break up, you know, a stereo master into stems or, or whatever it is. But there's also some dangers uh, with that. Um, I think about how you're, you're creating a new work based on somebody who's not here to say if that's yeah. cool with them. And that's as much as I love it. I, you know, I've heard some generative AI uh, songs that were created using someone's body of work. And for me as a fan, um, I absolutely love it. But is that the right thing to do? And therein lies the question. And it's, it's in many ways, it's a matter of taste and sort of decorum, you know, what is appropriate. And, you know, and, and each estate is a little different because sometimes you're dealing with literally children of these artists or you're dealing with people whose job it is to represent those estates. And everybody in that kind of potential scenario might have different ideas. And then they also might be driven just by profit. Right. And, and so, it's not just music too, right? It's also no. um, name and likeness. It's also the voice. Mm -hmm. And and what Jeff Jampel said in this article is that he sees two possible interesting uses for AI in his work. He said that it could be intriguing to have someone like Jim Morrison, you know, from the doors narrate his own documentary. I thought that was interesting. He, he could also imagine potentially using AI, you know, like an AI voice model to mm -hmm. read Jim Morrison's unrecorded poetry. So there are some other uses, but, you know, how do you keep the guardrails on this thing? Right, exactly. Similar to that, it says on November 15th, Warner Music Group announced a potentially similar initiative partnering with the French great Edith Piaf, uh, her estate to create a voice model based on the singer's old interviews, which will narrate the animated film Edith. The executors of her estate, Catherine Glavis and Christine Laum, uh, said in a statement that it's been special and touching experience to be able to hear Edith's voice once again. The technology has made it feel like we're back in the room with her. Right. I've been reading so about that film and, yeah. and how, you know, she's basically been recreated in it. And, you know, in, in contrast to an AI model that, you know, you train to, you know, like Edith Piaf, you know, to sing... The model needs to ingest a number of the artist's recordings. That requires the consent of other mm -hmm. rights holders, the owners of those recordings, which may or may not be the estate. So it gets a little bit complicated. And one thing that you and I have covered and continue to talk about is in the legal community, you know, among lawyers, they haven't reached a consensus on whether you can monetize things created with AI. You know, we've right. heard some mm -hmm. music industry attorneys say that you can't uh, monetize something that was generated with AI. And then there are others that are telling us, well, you sort of can You use current laws, whether it's with sampling, whatever, because you're drawing from somebody's body of work. And there's all these lawsuits, you know, about people who are saying you're using my photographs, you're using my artwork in, you know, these AI models, or some of them right now, you know, using lyrics in your your chat mm -hmm. GPT type models to generate new lyrics. So, 
it's sort of the wild, wild west right now. And it's super interesting for me to see how people are using AI, you know, universal Endel, you know, is really, um, they've partnered this Edith Piaf film. I mean, that's, that's incredible. And it it just gives you a sense of what could be created. Well, and they mentioned, or Elias mentions in the article, he says, outside of the United States, however, the appetite for this kind of experimentation may differ. He said, roughly a year ago, the Chinese company Tencent Music Entertainment told analysts that it used AI-powered technology to create new vocal tracks from dead singers, one of which went on to earn more than 100 million streams. Wow. So again, you may have a, a perspective here based in the U.S. of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And yet in a different country, in a different region, it may be completely different. Yeah. And a lot of this is not nefarious. A lot of this is cleaning things up or giving the technology. You know, we, we talked to Jessica Powell from Audio Shake, and she's mentioned in this this article, too, because they were talking about something you've brought up before, and that is you know, during the Beatles documentary, how they isolated John and Paul's voices uh, for the documentary. This kind of AI used for enhancing or cleaning up, tweaking, adjusting, that, that's been happening for several years. And as Elias points out, you know, for, for all of the industry freak out about AI, there's actually all of these ways that it's already operating, you know, every day on behalf of artists and labels that isn't controversial. Actually, that wasn't uh, Elias that said that. That was Jessica Powell, you know, from Audio Shake. Um, and that's a company that uses AI-powered technology for stem separation. And she said it can be pretty transformational um, to be able to open up back catalog for new uses. Right. Uh, the article goes on to mention the publishing company Peer Music used AudioShake's AI-powered stem separation to create instrumentals for two tracks in its catalog, da- uh, Gabby Moreno's Fronteras and Rafael Solano's Por Amor, which could then be placed in ads for Oreo and Don Julio, respectively. <laughs> um, you know, so again, you're, you're, you're thinking, and, and they've also mentioned in the article kind of going in and maybe repairing things. You know, you, you don't necessarily have the multi-tracks. Right. Go in and fix like that, that honking saxophone solo or somebody drops something during the recording. The tools are getting so much better, so, so remarkably fantastic, and it's coming so fast. Um, yeah. And I found myself wanting to, to start using them, you know, just in, in recording music and changing things and splitting out, listening to parts that I couldn't hear definitely on other songs. And it's just, it's really, we're just at the precipice of just some unbelievable stuff. I but, agree. And it's complicated. I'll, I'll, I'll leave this article with this thought. You know, my grandfather always said that an idiot is someone who doesn't know what you just found out. And look, don't feel stupid if you don't understand generative AI or, you know, uh, machine learning or any of the stuff. We're going to have Bobby Osinski on a special episode. We're going to walk through all of this stuff. It's evolving really, really quickly. And it's, you know, it hasn't been around that long. And it's certainly, as you point out, it's just growing exponentially. So it, more, it more really to come. is. Absolutely. All right, Jay. Well, let's grab our last story. This is from Hypebot. Historic mechanical royalty increases, inflation adjustment, all explained by the effervescent and groovy Chris Castle. Yeah, we did, Chris. Um, I had a phone call with Chris this last week because I don't understand a lot of this stuff, and he does, and he helps to explain it. 
uh, for me uh, in, in terms I can understand. Um, but it's interesting. He follows sort of, you know, the copyright royalty board and he, he follows sort of the, well, his site is called music technology policy. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that should give you an idea, <clears throat> but he's uh, one of the brighter minds and, and he will really help us understand this stuff. So what, what he put in this piece is that we're about to experience what he calls an historical event. The U.S. government's statutory mechanical rate for physical and permanent downloads will increase twice in 12 months. That's because the record companies agreed in Phono Records 4, CRB4, uh, to raise the statutory mechanical rate from 9.1 cents to 12 cents for physical and permanent downloads, effective January 1. So this is quite a change from the frozen rate that lasted for 17 years. Not only did the labels agree to increase the rate to 12 cents, they also agreed to to index that increased rate to inflation annually. There it is. Starting in 2024. Indexing requires increasing the 12% rate to current inflation based on a cost of living adjustment by applying an uplift formula to the 12% rate. That formula itself is a function of the Bureau of Labor Statistics Consumer Price Index, which itself comes in a number of varieties. Right. And we're not going to dig into all of that. Check the article in Hypebot if you want to see the detail of how that process works. But Chris goes on to say that we've experienced a time of high inflation for the last few years. And given the indicators, we're likely to continue to suffer with inflation for years to come. So the label's agreement to a cost-of-living adjustment protects the purchasing power of the hard-won mechanical royalty for physical and downloads, mentioning that again, and, and may end up being a critical deal point over the five-year rate period covered by Phono Records 4. The Copyright Royalty Board will publish the new cost-of-living adjusted mechanical rate in the Federal Register on or about December 8th. But remember, this cost of living adjustment rate increase only applies to physical and permanent download configurations, not to streaming. This is because the services refuse to engage on the topic. There's really no good explanation for why the streaming services refuse to give a cost of living adjustment. It really should be mandatory given that the government essentially takes away the songwriter's ability to bargain for their inflation expectations during a five-year rate period. So yeah. I sure hope this 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 can change and, and be, have streaming included in it. That would just be really what's fair. Yeah. But, and things are moving slowly, but they're definitely moving yeah. in uh, in the right direction. And I would just uh, give another shout out to uh, Chris Castle. Um, check out his um, website, Music Technology Policy. Um, we put a lot of that into uh, your morning coffee. And I know he uh, collaborates with uh, Bruce Houghton over there at HypeBot like he did this week uh, to really sort of explain um, these mechanical royalty uh, increases. So uh, thank you, Chris. Really appreciate it. Indeed. And on that note, Jay, we do need to wrap up the uh, the episode. Big thanks to our friends Banzoogle, Hypebot, Bands in Town, and the Music Business Association. We certainly appreciate it. And if you enjoy our show, please tell just one friend because uh, that's the way we roll, Jay and I. So on behalf of my good friend Jay Gilbert, we say thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Your Morning Coffee Podcast.
You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news program for the new music business. Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.